0: Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Justin Polk is back uh, for another podcast. We were just getting ready for the podcast, talking about the topic that we're going to discuss, which for me personally is the topic I find to be a little perplexing. Um, And we were talking about why it's so important. So even before we talk about why Justin's here and what he normally does, Justin, can you explain to these folks why the topic of capitalization is such a big deal when it comes to agile transformation?
1: Yeah, so point blank, um you are going to have to sell your transformation to finance.
0: And finance isn't going to care if agile's cool.
1: No, they they do not care. If you start messing with the money, they're going to they're going to want to know what you're doing.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So, we're going to get into that during this podcast and Um, I am going to be playing the part of somebody who truly does struggle with this topic. So Justin gets it a lot better than I do. Um, And I'm going to ask him lots of dumb questions, which for those of you who have dumb questions about it, I will be, I'm here to serve. Um, So Justin, before we get into the topic, can you explain to the folks what you do and how this topic became so important to you?
1: Sure. And thanks for having me back. So I started my career uh, in software development, and and played just about every role that you can on a project team, you know, developer, business analyst, project manager, I've been a program manager and portfolio manager, uh, and was the portfolio manager for one of the largest supply chain, uh, technology supply chains in the world. And we uh, had to deal with the issue of capitalization on a near daily basis. Um, and it, it was one of those things that, you know you do it for for so long and it's such a focus of of your life that that um you know it feels like it had consumed you and then when you kind of break away from that it feels like an entirely different chapter of your life and and you know looking back on it and and helping now other organizations uh go through transformation um i'm i'm cognizant of how what we do in transformation impacts the finances right so last time I was on the podcast we talked about earned value uh, this time we're talking about capitalization and so it, 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 it truly does uh, bring it, it truly does make a difference to start your transformation with finance in the room or at least an understanding of what are those things that we need to watch for uh, and take care of as we go through this transformation okay thank you so. I'm coming to this
0: conversation as somebody who comes from a traditional background and I've been a project manager and I like working with teams because I like to build stuff and I like to get people to do stuff. And whenever anybody rolls out spreadsheets, I'm like, Oh my God, here we go again. Um, why do I need to worry about this? Like what kind of questions am I going to be asked about it? What kind of
1: organizations are concerned with it? What is it? So, so you said you like to build things. Yeah. So when we build things, oftentimes what we're building is an asset. Okay. Right? And uh, I, you know, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but, but assets are one of those core foundations of an enterprise, right? And if you've taken, and not to scare anybody, but if you've taken an accounting class, this goes back to that, that huge equation that we all learned at the beginning that assets equal liabilities plus equity. So the assets are what makes up the, the organization.
0: The stuff we produce, the physical the, goods.
1: N- no, not necessarily the products that we, we, we make. These are the assets that we use to make the products we make. Oh, the hammer, okay. There you or go. Or the
0: computer, okay.
1: Or the tractor.
0: Or the tractor, right, okay. So we're talking about the assets. This is the, the tools that we use, those are assets. Um, now, why do I have to worry about, I was always worried about how do I get the people on my team to do stuff, you know, and I got to make sure they have the right tools, but um, I guess I was largely shielded from conversations about finance and how we calculate all this stuff. So when we talk about CapEx, that's a certain type of budget, right?
1: Yes. So, so capa, capital, capitalizable expenses or CapEx, right? Um, are those those expenses that we incur when we acquire assets, right? So it it might be easier to think of capex in terms of what it's not, and that's opex. And opex is operating expenses, right? The the the, ex, the expenditures or the money we spend operating our business, right? The so think of cap
0: bill paying people yeah. stuff like
1: that. Think of think of op. Uh, OPEX is running the company and CAPEX is building the company. That's a gross, you know, <laughs> gross, broad stroke. Okay. But that's essentially a good, an, an easy way to think of it in layman's terms. All right. So if I am
0: working with a group of people, there's going to be somebody from accounting who's going to want to know what, what budget stuff comes from or goes on and where are we going to charge this stuff back. And they have to do that because they have to be good financial stewards of the company.
1: Yeah. And, and let me give you a good example of that from a, a layman's terms. Let's say that we needed to buy a machine, the, some, some machining uh, components, some, some big machine that makes widgets, right? Okay. And it's $100,000. I wanna keep this super simple. Okay. Now, let's say it's useful for seven years. Like after seven years, you're gonna have to replace this machine. Okay. So, so we buy this machine and we have to get it delivered, right? And let's say that we have a $4,000 delivery charge. And then we have to okay. get it installed. And let's say that's eight grand. Okay. So the that asset, the cost to acquire that asset and, and use that to improve our company's operations, that capitalized cost of that machine is $112,000.
0: Okay. okay. All the charges together.
1: All the charges to acquire and install yep. that asset, right? Just
0: and so to, we can use it. Yep. Okay.
1: And then the using of it well that's that's operating right. So it has a useful life of 7 years. Okay. okay. Yep. So every year we're going to get hit with a depreciation expense of $16,000 until we depreciate fully depreciate the asset. Okay. okay. So I think that might be the simplest example I've ever given. <laughs> Well,
0: it's a good example, I guess. So then when we start to use it, the cost of using it, that's an operating expense. The power to run it, the getting people, you know, whatever they have to yeah, do.
1: Yeah, you're already. just operating at that point. When, okay. you capital, when you put in that capital asset, you, imp- you, know, you improved the way that we operate, right? And you're going to use, but it's, it's consumable. It's not a forever thing, right? So okay. we talk about plant property and equipment, PPE uh, for the accounting uh, folks out there. But I, you know it's it's very jargony, <laughs> just like your earned value was. Yeah. But um, but but yeah, in, in simple terms, that capitalizable asset, right, puts that asset on the books. It's okay. now part of the calculation of the worth of our organization.
0: Okay, I'm glad you said that because my next question was going to be, in my brain, there's a part of my brain that just thinks the company has a giant bucket of money. Who cares? What budget it comes from. But some things contribute to the the perceived worth of the company and some things don't.
1: Right. Okay. So if we if we just spend money on an electric bill, that didn't that didn't, you know, Produce add or enhance our, our enterprise.
0: Right. And so that would matter if we were gonna like sell the company or if we had shareholders we were responsible to. Um, that that's why we'd wanna know this. What is the worth of the company?
1: Okay. Exactly. So the worth of the worth of the company on the books is increased when we add capitalizable assets.
0: Okay. So it's it's the sum of all the stuff we have minus the liabilities, which would be debts. Right. Okay. Sounds like you've taken an accounting class. I barely passed my accounting class. That's why but that's why I have such a hard time with it. And I'm assuming that I'm not the only one out there that when people start to pull out those, you know, budget stuff, it's like all I hear is the voice of the Charlie Brown teacher going,
1: Wah, wow, wah, wah, wah. wah. Um, but <laughs> oh, I know we have the that same this, professor, sounds yeah, like <laughs> but I know that this
0: stuff is really important. I've just been either sheltered or lazy or whatever and relied on other people to worry about it for me. So um If we understand that this is an important thing for for people at a company to know and an important thing for accounting to know, and if we understand that regardless of how awesome we think our team is, accounting is the gatekeeper because we don't get money without their support, Um, what is it about agile transformation that makes this go all pear-shaped on us?
1: Well, I think to understand that is to understand, especially in the technology space, and this does not apply strictly to the technology space. A lot of our clients are not in that space, but okay. you need to understand how your agile team's labor is capitalized, right? Uh, as well as any of the things that they're purchasing or putting into service are capitalized. Okay. So, So as I mentioned, when you bought that machine, the delivery and installation costs, that labor is capitalizable. Right. If you're building an asset, right? so let's say you were building, and I'm not going to get into internal versus external software, although that is a consideration when capitalizing. If you're building a piece of software that is considered an asset, as you're developing these features, those features are capitalizable assets. The labor that was used to develop and test that feature is capitalizable. It's an asset to the company. And it can be put on the books and depreciated over time.
0: Okay. Can I try a really hopefully simple example? Sure. All right. I've got a team and we are going to build a tool that will help agile teams track their work. And that those features, as we develop them, those become assets because we could sell those to somebody else, right? Right.
1: Well, they're, they're assets because they've increased the value of your organization and their ability okay. to execute work. All
0: right. So in order to do this, I'm going to have to buy a tool that my team can use to manage their work. And we're going to buy Jira, but Jira is not an asset for us.
1: Right? So so that you actually, I don't know if it was intentional or not, or not. Uh, but brought up a very very good example of the difference between uh capitalizable expenses and operational expenses it was totally intentional so if we if we took something like um like the atlassian stack which is a product that's offered by the folks at atlassian who make jira and we installed it on our own servers right and stood up this this product essentially and installed it in our organization so that we could use it ourselves right, right? to do our work what's your suggestion to do yeah. our work then what we have done is we've acquired that equipment and installed it just like we did that machine in that example earlier yeah right and so the cost of acquiring and installing that is a capitalizable asset now what we could have done is gone to jira cloud and approached this problem in a way where the expenses that we pay the monthly services that we pay to to the folks at atlassian right that's just an expense it's no different than your light bill there's no thing at the end of the day Uh, right yeah
0: okay your cloud thing totally threw me over the edge of the cliff but before (laughs) we go there um if i am Putting Jira into play—that's a tool that we're going to use. What about the configuration and the training of the people to use this? Would that be considered to be operating expense then?
1: Yes. Okay. So training is one of those things that's not capitalizable. So if you if you if you think in terms of kind of the software development lifecycle and what is and isn't capitalizable, right? You have you have um, the different um, capitalizable types of work. So, like if you're doing software development and testing, that's capitalizable. Everything that bookends that, right? So you're designing, you're planning, um any releasing or releases or training on the other side, that's not capitalizable work.
0: So then, if I'm planning a sprint, it's possible. I mean, if I was required to produce, You know, evidence of this that that some of the work that we do is capital, is capex, and some is opex. But we never ask the team members to track this stuff. Somebody else is going to figure it out. But um, we would we would need to know that from like fiduciary perspective, right? To be responsible.
1: Yes, and and we're kind of jumping down to the team level. Um, Sorry, and the mechanics. No, no, no. It's.
0: I'm like Johnny Rabbit
1: Hole right now. I can't. <laughs> can't help it. I think this is one of those topics that's rife with rabbit holes. So, okay. so with your with your teams, yes, the teams may not be aware of what proportion of their work is capitalizable. When you're at the delivery team level, because you you know at leading agile we have you know three four tier stru- you know structures that we put in place. Yeah. Most of the capitalizable work will be down. At the delivery team, the people actually doing the development and testing work, right? Mm-hmm. That work is capitalizable. So, we also know that when teams are in sprint planning, backlog refinement, demos, stand up, that's non capital
0: Operations, right. Right.
1: right? right. So, that's part of their planning and design work. Teams also typically have some level of maintenance that they do that's yeah. not you typically part of building an asset it's 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 maintenance type work so um that's why i'm a big believer in capturing that type of work in your backlog is because it makes separating the types of work that you do that much easier because on the other end it becomes easier to say for this sprint this proportion of this team's efforts right and let's say it's 80 percent. you know we've, we determine it's 80 percent of their time yeah uh, 80% of their time is now divided into like a 60-40 s- split of of that time it, towards CapEx and OpEx type work, right? All of these stories related to these maintenance features yeah. are OpEx and the rest are CapEx. So we can sprint by sprint determine the variation in how much w- work we're doing that is towards building that asset, right? And we can determine how much dollarization to put towards that asset
0: okay so i'm gonna try to there's a rabbit hole that i'm staring at and i'm gonna try to step aside from it for a second but how would management be having conversations about this kind of stuff like where does this matter to them because in addition to getting support from accounting i need support from management and and why does this is this relevant for them
1: so, there's the intersection of, of accounting and, and or finance and, and, um, and management, and that's budget, right? So, we in, in agile, you know, we live, you know, eat, sleep, breathe with this notion of a limited bucket of resources, right? Of, of a fixed set of resources. Budget is oftentimes one of those fixed resources. Okay. Um, what a, a lot of times would happen in the project world is as a manager i have this much capex you know that i need to 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 produce to replenish our, our capitalizable assets bu- bucket because believe it or not that's actually a pressure on management okay it, so they'll have a capex target and they'll have capitalizable projects right they essentially would have a menu during an, annual planning that says here are these projects and here's the kind of capitalizable asset that they would produce on the other side Right, and then you have OPEX projects, maintenance type projects or ongoing projects um, that, that uh, you would be mixing in to try to meet your budget uh, targets. So there's a very big budget component to this um, and budget concern to this. And it can lead to some, some really odd behaviors um, where we might prioritize some projects because of their worth from a CapEx standpoint on the books. Versus their worth to, say, the customer um, and or or neglecting maintenance so that we can hinder CAPEX targets. Okay. So, I want to okay.
0: okay. yeah. ask you for an example of that in a second, but the first thing I want to do is go back to the thing that you just said. So I'm going to try to just make this as simple as possible. I'm running a department. The company gives me $100 and says 50s for OpEx, 50s for CapEx. The OpEx, we're just going to burn through that money. I mean, that's just, that's sunk. But the CapEx is supposed to generate value. So maybe that's revenue. Maybe it's something else we can sell further down the food chain or whatever. But it's possible that they would say, here's $100, 50 of it you're going to just burn through. The other 50, we expect you to generate 150 from that.
1: Right. And so there's all, you know, there's oftentimes a business case behind these, some, you know, some set of spreadsheets going around that says, here's our projects. Here's the expected return on investment for these projects. Here's the ongoing operating expenses to support and maintain these assets. Um, there's a, there's this like ever unraveling (laughs) list of, of implications for these capitalizable projects. Right. And. The, the the tendency for management is to to prioritize right meeting their budget targets um, because there's oftentimes bonus structures set up to hitting their targets or for all of these things that, that encourage certain certain kinds of behaviors yeah and oftentimes those business cases if you poke a little poke a little you know deeper are flimsy at best and and not necessarily defensible and i I've seen it, you know. I've seen really good business cases, uh, but but by by and large, usually these are just justifications to do what management thinks is, is the right thing to do or that they want to do.
0: So in the same way that if I say to a team, you're gonna get a bonus if you can get your velocity up to whatever, they're just gonna start gaming their estimates to hit that velocity. If I say to you, you're, this is how you know what you have to do with your budget, you're gonna you could find a way to move the shells around to make it look like you were getting where you needed to be.
1: Yeah. Just I mean and and we see this in Agile when we talk about like weighted shortest job first, right? Okay. So if you if you're familiar with weighted it's shortest you just like
0: job. one complex topic after another, my friend <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry. I, I, I I am, but it's you know, you can you can game weighted shortest job first to justify one epic over the other
0: okay and so 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 how does this i mean i'm looking at the you know the stuff that we said we're going to talk about and there's a a thing i want to come back to in a few minutes but um, if we're talking about vertical slicing how does this intersect with this conversation
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So, or did I
1: take too big of a leap there? Was that too much of a jump? <laughs> well, let's find out. Okay. Wow. So, so let's say we had a, a big project, right? Yeah. In the old world, we would have this big project, big bang. We would set up this big Gantt chart and we would do our planning and our designing type work up front. We would set up our timesheets so that when we get to the development stage, all of our development timesheets flow into creating, you know, pumping up this asset on the books And then, you know, we testing and on and on, and then we get ready to deploy. We deploy it, we put the asset on the books, start depreciating it, right? Pretty straightforward. That's because it was developed alongside the old waterfall approach. Right. right? So new new school thinking, like lean agile enters Mm -hmm. and says, you know, we want to deliver smaller increments more frequently to our customers. which requires us to vertically slice our work. Now, instead of having one big bang project, you can almost think of each one of these features as a micro project. Each one has its own planning and design and and uh, development and, and testing and, and and if your you know CI/CD pipeline is good, its own release. So we can get we can now start to put things into production very very quickly. Here's a feature. Here's a feature. Here's a feature. So now instead of having just this one big project that maybe pumps up one, one asset, you know, and we put that one big asset into production and then depreciate it over time, we're more frequently delivering these assets, not only to production, but to our books. Okay.
0: So that would be like, like, um, after we deploy the original thing, all the new stuff we add on later on, we could do do them one at a time.
1: Yeah. And if you think about that, you know, putting that asset on the book sooner allows you to start, um, recognizing it, you know, within your quarterly reports versus your annual reports. If you're on an annual budget cycle, um, you know, you, you, you have <laughs> also though to, uh, the ability to start recognizing the depreciation sooner. So it, you know, we probably should have mentioned this off the top, but, Capitalization is essentially a, a net zero game, wherein once you depreciate that asset, its value on the books is zero, right? Um, so that's one of those things that starts to encourage you to start to look at how do we replenish all of the depreciation that we're going to incur, so that our books don't don't start to you know zero out.
0: So, so the sooner we start to depreciate them, the sooner the things we've built are no longer worth anything, and we need new things.
1: Right. But the faster that we're delivering these things to production and putting them on the books as assets to be capitalized, the, the faster we're pumping up. Right our assets or replenishing those assets
0: so it's sort of i mean it's going to sound stupid but kind of like we're bailing water out of a boat with a hole in it there's always new water coming in we're always trying to get some of the water out we just want new water
1: yeah so that's welcome to the world of accounting (laughs) (laughs) well if i let's i mean the example that i always use in
0: class when we talk about vertical slices is i'm always saying like look you want to get something to a place where it's done and we can get feedback on it And maybe you're not going to deploy that thing by itself. Like you're never going to deploy just by itself the ability to request a password change. Like you have to have everything else in place for that to be worth using. So my team could build that functionality, but I'm not going to release it to the public. So at what point does the depreciation start? Is it when it's actually in the public's hands or when I say this is done, done?
1: So there are different guidelines for internal versus external um, externally used software as to when you can put them on the books, right? Or or start realizing um, when you can put that capitalizable asset on the books, when you can put it into production, right? So if it's internal, there's less scrutiny and it's after the initial phases of the, the project. Um, when you're putting something out there for um, for customer use, um, right. that both the types of work that you do is more heavily scrutinized, as well as it it has to be um, a an asset that's in in production. Okay, so who
0: is it that wants to know about this stuff? Because I can't imagine a scrum
1: master is going to be
0: sitting around worrying
1: about this. So you know what's interesting about that is. Uh, I'm gonna to have to find the article so that you can link the listeners to it. But but there was a really good case laid out for why Scrum Master should care about CapEx, and the this goes beyond the the reason that I already gave you, which is if you're not paying attention to it, someone's gonna come knocking on your door uh, and start asking questions about it, right? If you get that far along to your transformation and have not already answered this question, huh? So. <clears throat> I think it's really critical if you're a scrum master or you know, whomever, especially a product owner, uh, to understand how what we do contributes to the value of this company. And if, I, if my team is you know developing, configuring, installing things that are going to be assets to the company, I think that that's a very powerful story for helping people understand how their work creates value. You literally can see the value you created on the books. You're not going to probably see it in a quarterly or annual report, right? That asset is some, some, on some, you know, T account somewhere over in accounting.
0: But it does, it is going to give the people who are building the stuff feeling like, you know, I mean, everybody feels like they're doing grunt work one time or another. But if you're able to draw a connection between the work that you do and the value of the organization overall, it might change the way that you I mean look at all you know your entire job it's like the story about the guy at NASA that was sweeping the janitor and and he considered himself to be part of putting people on the moon
1: right right but but it's it's a very clear message i think for for folks that what you produce is an asset to this company and it's yeah. you know it's it's akin to any you know plant property equipment and it it is of value to you know the the enterprise to the stakeholders it's part okay. of this whole this whole organization
0: so if you walk in to do into a transformation gig and you're sitting down with the with the client at whatever level you're interacting them with when do you start having this conversation and when do you start coaching people into tracking this or becoming more aware of it or sharing it with other parts of the company like when does this conversation happen
1: so i think i think the earlier that you can get this conversation um worked in as to whether or not you're dealing with an enterprise that deals with capitalization or any other you know of these kind of financial um mechanisms earned value um then then The quicker you can recognize when when they need to be brought to the table or who needs to be brought to the table and how you're going to address these mechanisms okay as you make a systemic change to the organization so you know leading agile we don't take a practices first approach meaning we don't think that just teaching people to go to a a 9am stand up and and you know do scrum is going to result in you having an agile enterprise we don't think that just adopting an agile mindset will bring about a culture that will just magically enable your organization to be an agile enterprise. Right. Our approach is a systems first approach and systems is structure governance and, and, and metrics how we manage metrics and flow, right? Yeah. yeah, so it's systemic. It is a systems approach and part of that system has to include Right? How we do the accounting of our teams. Right? How we produce these assets. The old system of delivery would deliver assets, and there was a way of reporting those assets out. Um, the new system of delivery has to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Do you think so. that this way creates more work for people? I mean, more more administrative work, or more? Or I don't want to say busy work, but more work tracking stuff just for tracking it
1: well I tell you when I was in the the, the, the deepest darkest hours of the capitalization part of chapter of my career <laughs> it's like it really up the prison yeah it really felt like man it would be interesting to know how much time and effort and money we spent chasing all of this capex. Um, so
0: that's the thing that that I guess
1: but no it, worries it is me a little it bit. is especially when you're talking about the the order of magnitude of investment that a lot of these large enterprises are making every single day in building building their organizations but do you think it
0: becomes or can it become distracting for the organization in like the shiny coin that they're chasing in the same way that some organizations moving to agile get obsessed with velocity, which matters to the PO matters to the team really for the rest of the organization, whatever, but they like to look at it because it's a number they can look at.
1: So, you know, this is, this is a number that is indicative of the actual value added to the organization. Like legally, you can put that asset on the books. It is, it is quantifiable. Have, yeah, it, yeah. It's not a, it's not a vanity metric. Now to, okay. to what, to your point, uh, you know, it can become the tail that wags the dog. Right. And it sometimes would feel, you know, that we were chasing capitalization for capitalization's sake because yeah. we needed to hit our numbers and we needed, we needed things to, to, to end up a certain way. Right. So it, you know, it's just, it's just like anything, right? If your focus isn't on the right, the right thing, um, or you take your eye off the ball, it can be distracting, but, but there are ways and, you know, we can talk a little bit about the mechanisms for, for capitalization, but there are ways to streamline all of this stuff, right. To make it less of a distraction.
0: So how would that, how would that happen?
1: Well, um, we, we dove into it a little bit earlier with the um, you know the teams and yeah teams have capex and Opex type activities they do We talked a little bit uh, about how you know invest would create potentially features that are themselves individual assets that we could you know pump up with value as the yeah. teams work and then put them on the books and start depreciating them. So the level at which capitalization occurs is is, is important in determining what level that capitalization is going to occur. Um, Are you going to say, you know, which stories are capitalizable, which aren't, or are you going to do that at the feature level? Um, And then are you going to collect your hours against the feature in a timesheet? I'm I'm not a big proponent of timesheets. I think timesheets, I think timesheets give a lot of people the wrong impression, but it is, is one mechanism to tie the work I did to the feature that I worked on in a defensible, way and in an automated way to then create an asset on the books
0: so it's funny that you say that because when i started researching stuff for this topic because i felt like i had to prepare myself for it it was the first time i ever felt like i had some kind of clue as to why all these companies i work for demand that i fill out a timesheet when all they ever tell me to do is just put eight hours in for every day like wow (laughs) That's the point? Um, because it, because it makes sense to me from a, from this perspective, I can see value in that.
1: Yeah, when you're talking about capitalizable labor, yeah, right. The easiest way to 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 acquire account of that is by having somebody tell you, I spent, you know, s- six hours today working on building that feature, that asset.
0: Okay. So I can see where this would be, obviously, it's valuable from an accounting perspective, but I can see where management would want to understand this. And I can see where it would be valuable to have people on the team have an awareness of it. But I would be really uncomfortable with the idea of anybody on my development team spending time figuring this stuff out. And I'm wondering if... I feel like this is a question that I come back to in a lot of podcasts is should there be somebody on the team who's not developing, who's not like a scrum master product owner type role, who's just like the measurer of stuff who figures out all this and explains it to the, the stuff that the team needs to know in a way that they can quickly and easily digest it.
1: Yeah. So what you're advocating for is someone at the program tier which is, you know, above the, the folks who are yeah. the, the product teams that are delivering um, to to ha- bring that budget view uh, to that program or portfolio. Um, and if the team was complex enough, maybe even, you know, having somebody like that assigned to the team, right? Yeah. It's almost like a team accountant.
0: Well, except that I'm also wanting to look at things like throughput and, you know the velocity metrics, cost per point. Like I would, I think having somebody whose whole job was to study all the data and figure out what stuff we had to share with the team, and what stuff we had to share with management. I think that would be kind of cool, and it would just keep other people from being distracted by it.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, if you have the ability uh, to to provide a dedicated person for that role, absolutely. But the the thing is, is that role is going to be disseminated you know, either holistically or in parts to people on the team. Because if that work has to be done, they're gonna send somebody to do it. Yeah. You've got, you know, during annual planning, you've got these business cases uh, that are presented, and you've got kind of a menu of projects at the beginning of the year. And you're gonna you're gonna look at your CapEx targets and your OpEx targets. You're gonna have all of these business cases that say this much of this project is capitalizable versus operational. Uh, and then here's your ongoing expenses to support these. And here's, here's your expected benefits, right? And then it, you're gonna have how useful that asset is. So how, what's your depreciation cost year over year? So, but so then the highest tiers of the organization when you're talking about budgets, you know, all the way through your middle management, uh, you know, anyone who has an, a, you know, an account code that you know, they're responsible for, for not you know, blowing up their budget, but they also have CapEx targets and things like that. That's who cares about the stuff, right? That's the okay. part of the organization that's going to be paying attention. If you look at transformations, especially the grassroots ones, where they fail often is, you know, they're tra- trying a practices first approach. Oh, I got excited about agile. I want to go try it. Right. And where they get, you know, they get their legs cut out from under them is when they have to then go to finance and report, you know, what proportion of the work that they just completed is capitalizable. And if they don't understand this, they're not at a defensible position. Now, when we so, go in okay. systemically, right, we need to be taking these perspectives in and trying to address them as part of the system of delivery.
0: So part of this, part of why this matters to the, to the team and whoever's championing the transformation is because you're going to have to go speak with accounting. You're going to have to get funding. You're going to have to justify this stuff. And if you can't speak their language, if you can't explain stuff to them in a way that lets them say yes, they're going to say no.
1: Right. And it's better to bring them to the table up front and even as, even partner with them to solve this problem. Okay. Right. And when you solve this problem, we're talking about you know, determining what level uh, to capitalize at. Right. And how you're going to do that and determining how you're going to capture the cost of the team, whether you're going to use timesheets or you're going to use, um, you know, more of a burn rate uh, of the team kind of approach. When you say what level to capitalize that, what do you mean by that? So some some methods out there will say that, you know, you should you should determine, you know, which stories are capitalizable and which stories are not capitalizable. Uh, some some methods will say we'll do that at the feature indicate this feature is capitalizable or this feature isn't capitalizable right because within an epic you may have certain features to go develop work that's not capitalizable to do technical feasibility or spikes or things like that so so, so. Ho-
0: hold on a minute <laughs> now <laughs> i'm having like a total conniption who's going to do that like who on the team would do that what role
1: so you could you could designate somebody you know as like a program accountant, right? Or that role is going to fall to somebody in the organization because if somebody's okay, somebody's going to come knocking, right? Somebody's going to ask for this information at some point.
0: But you're not going to do. Are you going to do that before it gets into like being worked on, or like while it's just in the product backlog, or is that an afterthought
1: thing? Well, I think no. This has got to be something that we're like you know we're looking at as we start to to populate that epic with features, right? So, you know, we, when we're in kind of the solution design um, portion of our of our governance, right? So as we're moving moving epics in and starting to stub out features and figuring out how we're going to eat this elephant, um, you know, you can indicate these features contain capitalizable work. And you could either do that at that level, right? Or you can set, you can try to, um, you know, squeeze down to the story level and say these stories are capitalized or not now if you're doing stories in a truly vertically sliced uh you know development type uh environment yeah you could make the argument that every story should be capitalizable if it's tied to developing an, an asset right or a new feature and that's again a, it feels like a very software oriented solution and, and in large part, that's because it is, but it can be ap- applied in non-software situations as well.
0: So then, but with what you just said, like one of the things that I often say in the class when people ask about what kind of stuff goes in the backlog, I always make the argument that even setting up the desk should go in the backlog. And they're like, well, it doesn't contribute to customer value. And I'm like, well, we can't do any work
1: if we don't have a place to sit. So yeah, it does. So, so there's, um, you know, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, but teams do have work that they do that is not capitalizable, is not towards building an asset that's, Sprint you know, long live. Right. So yeah. those activities are non-capitalizable, but so is any maintenance that they're doing on, on other assets. Right. So any, okay. any kind of activities that they're doing that aren't the development of that new asset.
0: So a lot of this is open to interpretation.
1: Well, there are guidelines, you know, okay. there's, there's, uh, the generally accepted accounting practices uh has something to say about that. Um so so there are actual documents to to go back to to okay. get guidance. And and there's probably if you're in a large enterprise, there's probably somebody in accounting who can come over and take a look. But that's that gets back to you'd rather them be in the room up front helping you make these decisions than chastising you on the back end for not paying attention.
0: Yeah. When I asked you a few minutes ago about who's going to do this, I was concerned that you were going to say the product owner, because I feel like they already have so much more work than they can do anyway. And if we were looking at stuff in the product backlog and trying to determine value, if this becomes part of how we determine value based on like, you, know, you gave the example of companies where CapEx becomes the thing that drives the day, then that could really skewer how we organize the backlog? If we stop focusing on deliver, you know, what's value to the customer, and start focusing on what's going to get me a smiley face from accounting because I, have, you know, did better with my capex.
1: Yeah, and that's another example of using a, a, a metric that actually does mean something at the end of the day on the books. But if you're using it more like a vanity metric or or as a shiny object, then then yeah.
0: But it's part from. of the it's part of the calculation of value of something. I mean it's, it is, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. It is the value of that asset on the books, which yeah. is a real value that gets reported out.
0: Okay. What do we what else do they need to know about this before we close it out? Like what is it what's another is there anything else that we haven't covered that you feel like
1: with this particular topic you really want people to walk away with an understanding of? Um, I would say that CapEx is one of those things that seems really arcane, right? It's, it's not going to be comfortable, a comfortable space for a lot of folks, um, like it may, <laughs> but it is going to be required uh, in a lot of enterprises for to, to address as part of the transformation. If you are a company that does capitalization, heavy labor capitalization, especially, as you're as you're adding value and building assets within your enterprise, then it it is in you know imperative to address how that's going to happen as you go through your transformation.
0: All right, and I want to add something to this now, which I hardly ever do. Um, if you are somebody like me who struggles with this stuff, you know Justin brought up the point of if you're going to be doing transformation, accounting is going to be asking questions. If you're somebody like me who has a hard time with the accounting things, you need somebody who doesn't have a hard time with the accounting things to be with you. So like, I would seek out somebody like Justin and be like, dude, can you please help me? Because I can't do this stuff and my brain can't process it and people are going to want to know about it. And it's an area where if this isn't a strength, you need to find somebody who has that strength. Um, What if people want to get in touch with you to find out more about this and more about how it works?
1: Yeah, you can email me. My email is justin.polk at leadingagile.com or you can reach out to me on on LinkedIn.
0: Okay. And when they do that and you respond, will that go under CapEx or
1: OpEx? That will be OpEx. Okay, <laughs> cool.
0: cool. Thanks, man. I'm gonna put all your all your information in the show notes as well. Uh, and thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.